0: Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dimon. I'm a tax sell veteran. I'm the leading tax sell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sell Playbook, founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I am your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. This is a completely free podcast brought to you through and because of the Tax Sell Academy. If you are looking to learn more about investing in tax defaulted real estate, Just head on over to taxcellacademy.com. Again, that is taxcellacademy.com. When you first look at a tax sell list, you're going to see lots of weird tax numbers, dates, names. It can certainly be confusing and a little bit overwhelming. Once you understand what you're looking at, it can still be overwhelming. In some areas, you'll have tax sell lists that will have hundreds of properties to choose from. In other areas, it might be one or two dozen but they all seem like fantastic deals one of the common questions that I get is how do you decide what you will purchase here's a simple answer I buy the properties that I can exit before I enter and here's what I mean by that don't just buy properties Because they are a good deal. Instead, buy properties based on the confidence that you have in your ability to exit that investment at a profit. When we dissect this further, the more confident that I am in my ability to exit that investment at a profit, the more interest that I have in purchasing that property. Now, allow me to explain this through the eyes of some of the veteran tax investors who also operate like myself, and then we'll work backwards so that brand new tax investors have a better idea of what they should be purchasing. Now, I've previously discussed the ability to leverage a buyer's list. Just like most professionals have a list built up of clients over time, a tax sell investor should focus on doing the same thing. Now, our list might change much more frequently than, say, a doctor's list of clients, but ours is certainly just as useful. This is obviously something that I wished I would have started much sooner in my career, but a few years into this business, I began to keep a record of everybody who purchased properties from me. That went into one file. I also kept a record of anyone who contacted me, with any interest in purchasing a property from me. This went into another file. So I had converted leads and then I had general leads. I targeted investors in my advertising to create those leads and to create those buyers because I knew they'd be much easier to deal with. They buy properties very quickly and they likely want to buy more than one. So one well-marketed property could bring in one buyer plus 10 to 15 potential leads for future properties now of course a lien from 10 years ago might fall off my list or they might no longer be interested in purchasing real estate at all but you're constantly adding more leads to your list than properties that you have available eventually you'll be able to segment your leads into a number of different categories And there are strategies to this, too, but the common segments could be based around location, price, property type, that kind of thing. The entire idea behind this process is to develop your buyer's list specific to certain types of investments. And then that buyer's list will ultimately decide what you should buy, where you should buy it, and how much you should pay for it. This removes all the guesswork out of investing. At that point, it's just a matter of going through your tax sale list and selecting the property that's desirable for a lot of your buyers. Once you buy it, you send it to your buyers, and then you'll have it sold in a matter of minutes. This is the same principle many realtors even use when they work with investors. The successful realtors have a list full of investors. They find a property that matches those investors, they match them up, and they sell those properties. The difference, of course is that you are the seller making the profit and not just a commission. All right, so how can we apply this to a brand new tax sale investor? Well, if you're a brand new investor, what I want you to do is kind of keep this concept in mind. Always work towards building your list from day one. In some regard, start early. Focus on it often. It will eventually snowball into an invaluable tool for your tax sale business the next thing that I would suggest is to never buy something just because it's in quote a good deal. Let me tell you why. I've passed on many properties that were just good deals. A good deal could be good after lots of headaches. A good deal could be good if you find that one specific buyer for that weird property you came across. A good deal could only be a good deal if everything goes right. So instead of focusing on whether or not it's a good deal, initially, first you should focus on your exit from the start and then use that to evaluate whether it's truly a good deal or not. How can you exit that deal profitably? This requires us to have a little bit of foresight. One of the key things to look for is demand. How much demand is there for that property type? And you can research this by reviewing websites like Zillow or Realtor.com and looking to see how long similar properties in that area, in that subdivision even, have been on the market. If similar properties are selling in 9 or 10 days, yeah, that's probably a good indication of high demand. If you're seeing that they were listed four, five, six years ago and they still haven't sold that's probably a good indication that there is no demand. So no matter how good of a deal it is, if nobody wants to buy it from you, then it really isn't that good of a deal after all, is it? The answer, of course, is no. You're looking for a property that will allow you to advertise it and get a considerable amount of responses. You shouldn't be looking for that one property that has one buyer, at least not if you're going to be in the tax sale business for the long haul. You should find a property that will have buyers lined up one after another after another. Now, this could be that single-family, 1,200-square-foot cookie-cutter house that everybody wants because it's in that desirable area. Or it could be that you buy a cheap lot and you can sell it for $1,500 and you have buyers lined up because it's so cheap. Whatever the case is, it does not matter. Your intention is to have many potential buyers. You want those leads to be lined up behind that property. You want your potential buyer pool as large as possible. And that's going to give you the confidence in your ability to sell that property very quickly. If your first buyer backs out, it should not really concern you all that much since you have many other buyers that are lined up. So after that, think about everything between your exit and your entrance into that investment. How much effort and how much money will it take to go from start to finish? If you were to look at a month or two in the future, After you have sold that property and everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, where will you be at from a time and a money perspective? Unless you're fairly advanced as a tax investor or you just have quite a bit of time and money on your hands that you're willing to give away, you shouldn't want an investment that is going to drain you. Buying and selling real estate should never be that much of an exhausting business where you dread going to work. It should be exciting. It should be fun. You should be able to predict the outcome. In the end, you need to be able to work backwards. Ask yourself, what is the property that you can buy today that will have buyers waiting to buy it from you as soon as you complete that transaction. And then once you have the confidence that you will easily be able to find many end buyers, it's time to dig into it a little bit more to determine the time and the effort required to get to those end buyers and eventually that close, that successful sale of that product, close transaction. Now, when I was first starting, I would focus primarily on vacant lots with just a few homes sprinkled in here and there. Now, this has changed, of course, from time to time, depending on the area that I'm investing in. But when I was starting, I knew that I could buy one or two vacant lots for nearly nothing. They'd require zero time and zero additional capital to be invested outside the acquisition cost. Then I could advertise them like crazy to bring in other potential buyers. I would resell them to other investors slightly below market so I could get rid of them quickly and gain lots and lots of interest. I would make a few bucks, and then it would keep snowballing over and over and over again, until the business in general became easier and easier, and I'd make more and more money. Now, I've mentioned this before, but your goal should always be to have low effort, high reward transactions. When we combine this with having the utmost confidence in your exit, before you even enter that transaction, you've created the golden business. It will always be a work in progress, of course, but if you work every investment with the intention of low effort, high reward, with that 100% confidence in your exit strategy pre-purchase, you will see that your business will grow substantially while becoming recession-proof, all while reducing stress and workloads. It is the perfect tax-selling business, which you should always be striving for. Listen, I truly hope that today's episode has helped you out. If so please take just a few seconds out of your day to leave us a positive review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on today. It really means quite a bit to us when you leave those five-star ratings. And thank you to everybody who's done so already. And if I can be of any additional help in your quest for tax sell success there are a whole bunch of links in today's show notes, including one to our primary website at taxcellacademy.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time right here on the Tax Cell Podcast.